0: All right, hello everyone, this is Marcia Lee. This is season two of Cut the BS, Your Health, Your Choice. Today's guest is Dr. Barry curry Winchell. She's just phenomenal. She's a TEDx speaker, a healthcare media consultant, a columnist, and a science contributor. She's medical director of community engagement and health equity, co lead of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, and medical director of urgent care clinics, Carbon Health and Saint Mary's Regional Medical Center in Reno, Nevada. So she's deeply involved with her community. Dr. Curry Winchell, better known as BCW, is also the founder of Beyond Clinical Walls, medical director, Washoe County Sexual Assault Response Team, and volunteers as a Assistant medical examiner, Washoe County Child Protective Services. During the COVID nineteen pandemic, Dr. Curry Winchell joined the Reno. Mayor's Task Force and Governor's Medical Advisory healthcare, healthcare Team. She has received many awards, including the 2022 Healthcare Heroes Award, Bravo, from Nevada Business Magazine, the Community Service Award from Washoe County Medical Society, the 2020 Young Young Physician Award from Washoe County Medical Society, the 2020 PBS Reno Spotlight, the Sturinary Neighbor Award, Sierra Nevada's Top 20 Most Powerful Women, Award in 2019 and recently named one of 75 Black hair Healthcare Leaders to Know by Becca's Hospital Review and was a TEDx presenter in 2022. And you definitely have to check out her TED talk. I'm going to put that in the show notes. She participates in national media interviews and regularly contributes to several publications. She and her husband enjoy life in Reno, Tahoe with their two young daughters. So again, thank you, Dr. Varie, well known as Dr. BCW
1: for being on tonight, take it away. Well, thank you for just having me. I am excited to share health information, talk about the things that can really help you advocate for your health. Every time you are in a clinic, a hospital system, or even if you just have general questions. And so, my journey in healthcare has been so rewarding in so many different ways. And often people ask me, you know, why do you do what you do? And I always have to start with my upbringing. And I was so fortunate to have an amazing man in my life my dad, a 99 year old, World War II. Korean and Vietnam war veteran and he was a man that always gave back in any way that he could and so i had the privilege of understanding and and having the opportunity to give back and so i get to do that in healthcare and it really just brings me joy and it's just been fantastic. I I'm a practicing physician but also a medical director of several hospital systems and my passion and true joy is really finding different ways to reduce health inequities and disparities and I do it through different ways. And so how I do it is really thinking about always asking myself why and then also leaning into curiosity and sharing information in new ways. And so whether it's through television, writing, or you know, through my little series of Beyond Clinical Walls, which I turned my last name, BioCurry Winchell, into that, um, it's been really fantastic to just you know, shake it up and, and then also deliver healthcare in a new way, but also raise awareness for people of color and marginalized communities that is my sheer (laughs) just love of finding ways to make sure that we improve health literacy so i'm honored to be on your show today so thank you for having me
0: oh definitely thank you for being on but you want to talk about your medical
1: journey what made you decide that you wanted to become a doctor so I always knew that I wanted to help people in different ways and that was just through my upbringing and so as um, when I was a kid I just kept asking myself, like, how do, you know, doctors do what they do? How do nurses get to do what they do? And this level of curiosity, which now looking back has stayed with me ongoing and has helped me really deliver healthcare. I just wanted to be able to really help people from mind, body, and soul. And I felt like being a physician that was going to be the way that I could do it. And I had a very non-traditional journey. I was actually a psychology major um, in undergrad. And then I decided to go to graduate school and become a physician assistant, um, which I received my master's degree. And I worked as a PA for three years in urgent care, occupational and family medicine. And then I still had this love for wanting to learn more and do more and not discounting all of those amazing professions that, you know, PAs and nurse practitioners. But for me, I just had this kind of desire to do, to learn more. And so um, I applied to medical school and got in and it was a challenge. It was a journey. And that's something that um, I am trying to help others because it's a system, it's a networking system that isn't always um, available for people of color or underserved. And so anything I can do to help give back in that way is so important to me. So I applied to medical school, was fortunate to get in residency, and I've been a physician ever since. And it, it was the best decision I ever made. I, I truly love helping people and um, I, I cherish it.
0: Oh, that's good. But since you be, since you have been practicing, what have been some of the challenges that you see with your patients <laughs> as far as like, you know, they, are they compliant, are they not compliant? So what have you um, seen in that? So, you know,
1: I often hear the number one is I'm not listened to. I don't feel like my condition or my concerns are being heard or I'm afraid I'm going to waste my doctor's time and that is a common thing that i often hear from my patients when i am seeing them for the first time and i think it's something that we we know across the nation so many patients are challenged with that and so my goal as a physician is to first just listen and find out what your ailments are what your concerns are what would you like me to do to help you and i think that is the key when we talk about healthcare, is listening and then understanding and acknowledgement. And even if you can't understand it completely, providers have this opportunity to at least try to engage and and ask questions, because I think that helps you really connect with your patients. And when you connect, That's when you can really help your patient and deliver the best care possible. So those have been some of the challenges that my patients have stated that I'm not being heard. I feel like I'm wasting my doctor's time and I just don't want to go in because I I just don't feel like no one, I don't feel like anyone's going to hear me.
0: Okay. You know, that's interesting. So do you have people that advocate for themselves? You know, do they come with their books? you know come with their list of concerns or oh, you want to talk about that a little bit?
1: I do and I actually encourage that. <laughs> you know, this is the conversation when we talk about a relationship with physician and patient. It's a relationship and so I tell my patients, when you see a specialist, if you, you know, are seeing a doctor for the first time or the 15th time, bring in your notes, bring in your questions and and if you feel you're in a situation where you can't express yourself or your concerns or your questions, then that's not the right fit because your health is the, 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 the most precious thing that you have. It, it really is because it, it, it's a part of everything. And so you need to be able to advocate for your most prized possession, your health. And if you feel that person isn't in it with you, Mm -hmm. then you should find somebody else because that's why you're there, to get help.
0: And have you, thank you for that. And have you had any people that have talked to you about the Tuskegee study and the mistrust that they have for doctors? Because a lot of people, you know, are not comfortable with going to the doctor at all. And what suggestions do you have for your patients to feel comfortable, you know, for the community to come to the doctor?
1: So, yes, I've had several patients, you know, share it with me. And then I also think of just, that kind of historical mistrust that I've experienced that I've heard from my parents, my dad, who has shared that. And I, I talk about that in my Ted talk, that there's this historical mistrust. And when we talk about the Tuskegee and other really terrible um, studies or experiments that were done on the black population and how that continues and it to be a, a reason why there is mistrust. And so I really think as a healthcare system, we have to acknowledge it and we have to find new ways to build trust. And that starts from just the beginning stages of listening. I often hear the phrase, meet people where they are. Well, how you do that, at least in my opinion, is asking, asking where are they? because when you ask those questions you have the opportunity the gift of hearing about those mistrust those historical mistrust mm-hmm. and then you can build upon that and help you know bridge that divide that is there when it comes to mistrust and so that is something that i think as a healthcare system we have to lean into
0: oh yes and then um I think that is so true, but what um I want to talk about some of the challenges, some of the different, and how do you guide people to manage their their chronic illnesses and diseases, you know diabetes, hypertension, um kidney um kidney disease, and all the all the other diseases that seem like the, that affect communities of color and marginalized individuals?
1: Well, first, I like to start with number one, how I'm advocating just in general is. I am trying to share as much as possible, race-based medicine and how it is impacting black lives every single day. And so when we talk about those chronic conditions that we often hear that are disproportionately impacting people of color at a higher rate, we have to look at certain algorithms that are in place that put us at a disadvantage. And so when we talk about kidney disease, I share in my Ted talk about the GFR, which stands for glomerular filtration rate. Basically, it's a a study that when you get your blood drawn, it shows how well your kidneys are working. Well, they actually have a differentiator for black versus non-black. And the problem with that is first and foremost, race, as we know, is a social construct. It has no bearings on your biological or your anatomical um, uh, elements. And so the fact that we have a blood test that separates those two things and results in kidneys, your kidneys looking healthier than someone who is non-Black, that's a problem because down the road, five years, 10 years, your kidneys will not receive the same possible medications. Or God forbid, if you need to be on the kidney transplant list, you would be on that list later. And it starts from that beginning test of Black versus non-black. And I share in my Ted talk that black kidneys and white kidneys are exactly the same. So why do we have a differentiator that is separating us and then is putting us at a higher rate of disease that's going to progress because we're not able to get the care that we deserve from the get-go. And so that's something that I am, I'm passionate about um, removing and you'll, you'll hear, you know, some organizations have stated, yes, they have started to remove it. Well, what are we doing for those Black patients that have been mislabeled? already what are we doing to make sure that they can have the care that they need and the rating that they should have to make sure that they are equitable in their care and so for my patients when it comes to chronic diseases i share with them it's important to you know for me let me know what conditions you have and if there's any symptoms i i i really encourage you to just come in from the get go. And I think it's important. And I paused on my language and I'll explain why it's easy for people to say, just come in. But then as we talked about, we are not acknowledging that mistrust (laughs) and those, those fears and concerns. And so anything we can do to share symptoms, things that are associated with diseases, which I share with my patients in advance or through my um, platform, I hope, that helps them kind of think about, oh, I have this, I have that. And now I see what could possibly come from that. What's complications in hopes that they would come in and have a discussion. So those are some of the things that I've been doing when it comes to hypertension, diabetes, sharing, that symptoms are often silent. And so anything I can do to kind of share the risk factors and then possibly the symptoms that may or may not be there I think, and I hope, is helpful. Yes, it yes it
0: was, because like I said, I'm in the District of Columbia where everything is high. You know, high hypertension high rate, high cancer rate, high diabetes rate. And I've been seeing too, Dr. Burr, I like your opinion. I've been seeing a lot of dialysis centers coming up too. <laughs> and I said that could be maybe a healthier food option or somewhere healthy where people could come and partake instead of a kidney a kidney dialysis center being built almost on every corner.
1: Yeah. You know, it starts from the beginning, the origin, the piece of what can we do that preventative care and making sure it's equitable just from the get go. So when you have your blood test or when you walk in that you feel you can share, Hey, I think, you know, I have a, or not, I think I have a family history of kidney disease because that's so important for the provider to know. And so anything you can do to create a space that that can be shared that's going to help and that's preventative disease because now I have that information to help you. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, thank you because that, that's, so,
0: that is so, um, that's so relevant. And I like what you said because, and thank you for bringing that certification and being um, deliberate in your response about people having to mistrust in the doctor. So it's a true story. My sister-in-law almost died this summer. And she, because my brother said she doesn't, I'm not going to the doctor, but come to find out that nobody in her family trusts the doctor.
1: (laughs) Nobody. And that's the thing, you know, from the beginning, you can have all of these amazing clinics and talk about access, but if you haven't addressed the mistrust, no one's going to come in. (laughs) So I think that's the part that we are missing, um, that we have to think about that part first. And I often share with different organizations and healthcare systems where I talk about, you'll see health fairs that are, pop, that, that, um, are um, in, in different communities where they go in, they're pro- providing all of these resources. And then sometimes, unfortunately, the result is, they're like, we didn't have a lot of people come in. We're not sure. Well, my response is, what did you do before you showed up? Did you canvass the community? Did you ask them what would they like to have in that health fair? What are their concerns? What is their mistrust? Because that will allow you to give them what they need and also build trust and then allow them to feel comfortable coming in. So those are the pre-reads or the preliminary steps I believe that needs to happen.
0: You know what, that is an excellent point because like, you, you know, once again, remember we were talking before we got on, like you have to talk to people, not at people. And I like that because cameras cam in the community is actually talking to the people, engaging. Yeah. And it, that's engaging, that's key. So thank you so much for that because I bet you people don't even think about that because we do have a lot of health fairs in the city. You know, we have a lot of different health events. And to your point, I bet you, and I bet you nobody's asking those questions a lot of times because they put, like you said, maybe maybe it's not a good fit. Maybe it's not a match. You know what I mean? And like you said, because the more you engage, the more you can have the right vendors and people there
1: giving out the information and resources. Am I not correct in that assessment? Absolutely. Ask before you show up. <laughs> Find out. You know, and and um, seek out those trusted messengers that are in the community because they will share with you the things that are needed or the questions that they have. And so, I think there is just a, a true opportunity to do more and do it in a more intentional way.
0: And I like what you said. earlier. I was reading. I was reading um, some things that you had written. And you. T- and you. What you talked about. What I do every year is your annual examination. Do you want to talk about the different examinations and why is that so important for us to have regular examinations?
1: Absolutely. So just getting an annual checkup is so important. You know, often we think, oh, I'm fine. I'll know if something is going on. And I, I shared, sometimes you may not have symptoms. And so going in, getting your heart, you know, listened to, getting your lungs, just listening to make sure there are any abnormal sounds and blood work. All of those things can give you a leg up and staying healthy or possibly identifying something that might be happening. And the earlier you identify something, the sooner you can respond to it. So it's so important to go in and be seen and and, and get get a checkup. And, And again, I still go back to that mistrust. Of course, if you are concerned about, you know, going in, find someone that you feel will hear you and and, and understand your concerns. So that way, when you do have that provider in front of you you can make it the most that of what you need in that moment and the other thing we talk about with preventative screenings um i think of you know colonoscopies mammograms all of those things are so important and black women are dying at a disproportionately higher rate of breast cancer although our incidence rate the number of cases are lower than white women and so that has to do with access, offerings of screenings and, 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 and follow-ups. And so one thing I decided to do when you talk about, you know, how do I try to um, help my patients? And I do it in non-traditional ways, for breast cancer month, I thought, you know, I'm going to get my first mammogram. This was last year. And so I decided to record it. And I shared with my hospital system, and they said, "You're going to do what?" I'm like, "Yep, I'm going to record it because I thought it might be a way to, I don't know, uh, help w- different individuals." And I and I I use my inclusive language on purpose. You know, anyone with with breasts to feel like they can be informed about what a mammogram what involved, what's involved in a mammogram. So, um, got my first mammogram recorded the whole thing. So people could see the machines and all the things that are part of it. Well, through that, I ended up getting an abnormal result. And so I received a phone call and they said my first name, because I wasn't a physician at that point, I was a patient and they said, bio, you have an abnormal result. You have calcifications. And I remember thinking to myself, all of the patients that I have heard say to me, Dr. Bayo curry Winchell, or I I received an abnormal result. I don't want to get a diagnostic. I don't know what a diagnostic is. I I don't want to move forward. And I had those same fears and thoughts and and, an understanding, a deeper understanding of what they had shared with me in the past. And so I thought, I'm going to record this. I want to record a diagnostic, because I think that second step when we go back and we talk about follow ups, how that is impacting black women's black women ability to treat early, (laughs) because sometimes we don't want to go further with that. diagnostic evaluation. So I got it, I went ahead and um, recorded it. And I got my results live. And um, I kind of, I always like to say I kind of got in trouble, but didn't get in trouble because I didn't tell the radiologist I was going to um, have him share it lives, but he forgave me later and said, I understand how this could help people, but I just wanted to have a level of authenticity that would hopefully help people really feel like they could get an understanding of what that means. And so I'm so grateful my results were normal, but um, I just hope, you know, now it lives at different FQHCs and different clinics as a form of health literacy, um, my um, my experience. And then I filmed it again this year. I filmed another one, a follow-up, and I shared how I had anxiety of, oh, gosh, am I going to get another abnormal result? Um, and so I was lucky to get a positive, uh, a normal result. So those are some of the things that I do in hopes of connecting with my patients on a deeper level and 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 helping others.
0: That's good. thank you so much. But two more things I wanted to um discuss before we wrap it up. And what about, well maybe three things and colonoscopy, you know, I was I was supposed to have gotten one when I was 50, but I was avoiding like the plague. But once I once, once I did, I'm like, this is so, the hardest part was the prep, like the day before. Right. I'm like, oh, but once you know you got in there, it was like so easy. So that's my first, that's my first, my first question. But the second question is, um, prostate cancer, talk about men and getting screenings because my brother is actually a prostate cancer survivor because he actually got it done and they caught it when it was super, super, duper small before it really grew. So he you know, he's been cancer free for 12 years. So ask you and want to talk about the importance of men because I think a lot of times we exclude men in these conversations, you know, and men are most important. And the last question is um as we conclude diabetes awareness month, how are you um, what are you doing to keep black people well from diabetes? And what are some of the um concerns that you see that um that your patients have when they come in when they don't get screened in a timely fashion or don't take their medicine and things of this nature. <laughs>
1: I love that we're talking about men's health. And so I go back to when I had mentioned my inclusive language about anyone with breast. That's why I do that, because it's important to mention, you know, anyone can be impacted by breast cancer. And so that part is just so essential that we recognize that and and all diseases. And so when we talk about colonoscopy, it is, yes, the prep can sometimes be challenging, but there is a reward at the end. in the fact that you have the ability to possibly mm-hmm. ward or prevent colon cancer, which is huge because when you get this screening, you are able to know if you have what we call polyps or any areas in the colon that could lead to, or become cancer. And so that test is life-saving in so many different ways. And it's something that you really should get done when you are eligible for it. And it can depend upon your family history and other factors, but it's something that you, you, you should really consider not waiting because time is the essence. When we talk about um, prevention, treatment, and, and, and just overall, trajectory of outcomes and so forth. And then when you mentioned prostate cancer, again, that is such an important cancer dimension as well. And to recognize screening and and, and understanding how family history and other things can be a part of it. So all of these screenings are so essential and can be life-saving. When it comes to diabetes, as we know, this is National Diabetes Awareness Month. And so I have produce several videos where I share free health information about some of the symptoms that are associated with diabetes. And again, you know, some of them are silent, but I just wanted to at least put it out there so people could feel informed. The other thing I've done is um, debunked the, the myths, the associations that we often hear that diabetes is a disease of people of color. And so when I share that, I want to give context. We hear that Black people are at a disproportionately higher rate uh, uh, getting diabetes. Well, we have to take a step back. And again, race is a social construct. So me being Black does not increase my risk of diabetes. There are other factors, family history, genetics, other components that can increase it but the color of my skin, which is different than ethnicity, does not. And so I am sharing that information as much as I can, because I think it's important that we look at that and how that has really led to unconscious implicit biases in healthcare and, and how it leads to poor health outcomes. The other thing I've done is shared different ways you can check your blood sugar and also talked about how food, um, whether it's carbs, sweets, how you can eat a normal diet or what is considered a normal diet or, or splurge and still have healthy blood sugar. So I have a series um, that you can find on all my social media platforms. They're free content under beyond clinical walls. And um, please take a look.
0: Oh, thank you so much. And then um, because I know that the Congress has passed the bill that the medicine that um insulin it's not it's not supposed to be over thirty-five dollars because people are actually rationing their medicine. <laughs> and it's like you want to talk about that just just a just a tag because you can't ration yeah. up, like because <laughs> yeah.
1: Insulin is as we know, it's instrumental to several people who are living with diabetes. And again, I I love that term of living with it because it's so important how we frame that disease because yes. that adds fear and anxiety as well. And so insulin can be, sorry, I apologize. Insulin can be life saving. And so anything we can do to have cost measures or things to help, um, reduce because it is so expensive and when you're trying to consider a meal, groceries, your rent, your, you know all of those things versus surviving and living so you can have your in, have insulin, we have to do better. so um, I'm hoping with all, within all healthcare that we can improve um, the finances that are associated with medications.
0: But thank you, like I said, thank you so much for that. I and mean, like I said, because healthcare is just so huge. And especially in different parts of the world is, better, is different parts of the country is better than others. Yes. You know, and like you say, where they're actually putting hospitals, where they're putting urgent care centers. I know that's been really um, what are your thoughts on that?
1: So we we have to think about our footprint and look at how certain communities do not have the same access to immediate care or to primary care and how that impacts disease rates in underserved, marginalized communities and people of color. And I share that in my TED talk, how communities of color often have less, less quality, less ability to have the same care as other communities. And so when we look at those zip codes and we look at that footprint, we have to think about how that impacts health outcomes every single day.
0: Yes, that's true. But, you know, again, thank you so much for your your time today. But again, I know, I know everybody's gonna wanna reach out to you. So you wanna um give everybody your socials and I'm gonna also put everybody in the show notes just in case you miss it. So you wanna give me your socials, Dr. Bari, for our listening audience. <laughs>
1: Yes, and thank you for that. So you can reach me on all social media. Um, Instagram and TikTok are my favorite, <laughs> um, and I am and LinkedIn. I can't leave LinkedIn out as well. Those are my top, and you can find me at Doctor underscore BCW um, for. Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, and then BioCurry of course, on LinkedIn. And also you can find me on YouTube. I have the series, the channel Beyond Clinical Walls. And I also have a website too, uh, drbcw.com that you can find free content, publications, videos, anything that you would like to you know, listen to or, or um, watch is available. And, and my ted talk please take a look at that too because oh, definitely. Um, i'm hopeful that that helps um people advocate for themselves so please take a look at that um uh, and 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 let me know what your thoughts are i'm always open to feedback
0: and thank you i'm also going to put a plug in if you wish for her to speak definitely reach out to her she'd be happy to check her availability because she's going to be awesome for any any platform that you may have so definitely Think about her. She's definitely about the love of our communities and keeping everybody well. So again, thank you so much, Dr. BCW, Dr. Bari, for your time this evening. So again, this is Marcia Lee. I'm gonna sign off on this episode of Cut the BS, Your Health, Your Choice, and everybody be fabulous and say bye, Dr. Bari. Bye. Thank you. My pleasure.